Hey, what's going on, beautiful people? Welcome back to Training Well Done, here with your host, Coach Donald, here to talk about the what, the why, the how of good quality training. And so today is a special day for me, actually. Uh, this week, GHP celebrates our two-year anniversary here in Wilkinsburg at Community Forge. And I am shooting this episode right before we have our brunch, little brunch celebration. And so I wanted to sneak this on in here. Yesterday, we went for this 11-mile run. And so on Saturdays, we're going to do these group runs. And so a number of the people here like do long-distance running. And so we went from the Gap Trail starting in the waterfront, which if you're not in Pittsburgh, it's this area in Pittsburgh along the river. And we ran about five and a half miles out to the McKeesport Bridge. Now, if you're not one who goes out there, no, we did not go on the McKeesport Bridge. That bridge is really narrow, and I would hate to be on there with all those cars. There's actually a bridge next to it. It used to be like a railroad train bridge during the booming steel era of Pittsburgh. And so now they have it wooded, wooden planks over it, and you can bike, walk, run, you know, all that jazz. And so it was a foggy morning, and we got a nice foggy morning run. And I'm feeling it. So that day, Saturday, I did that 11-mile run. The day before that, I did a leg workout, which was kind of high volume, and it was pretty challenging. And then the day before that, we did, for cross-country, uh, three and a half miles of hill sprints. Well, it was like a three-quarters of a mile run there, then we ran up the hill for about 20-some minutes. Then it was a three-quarter uh, three mile run back. And so those stacked on top of each other. I was about a half a mile in to this 11-mile run, and I was like, yo, this ain't it, Chief. Me and Marcel, we actually had a conversation as we were starting. Like, every day is not going to be a good day. Every day can't be a good day. And I'm about a half a mile into this hour-and-a-half run, like, Yo, bro, this is not it. This is not going to be a good day. I don't know how I'm going to make it through this run. <laughs> I survived. I got to about mile five and a, mile, f like more mile three and a half. And I was like, yo, you need to use the bathroom, bro. And I refreshed myself. I had to stop once on the way there. And then when we got to the halfway point on this bridge with this gorgeous view, that was like a good rest point. But those five miles back, they hurt. They hurt, 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 hurt. So when people do all that positive encouragement, it doesn't come from an empty place. Well, maybe for some of them, but at least for me, it doesn't come from an empty place. And so when I am ragging on my athletes about being able to keep going and pushing and telling themselves positive things, this comes from personal experience. And my most recent experience was this run. And so we get to about mile eight or nine, and I'm like the last person because I had to stop. I was already not running very fast, so everybody had long passed me. Some of the kids had done like five miles or six miles, so their turnaround was way before. And I have like four, to th four miles, three miles, two miles to go, and I am out loud blurting positive things out. Come on, you own this, and a lot of expletives that I needed to just say to myself to keep going. And all of this, you know, mumbo jumbo about 
you know, you're going to own this. You only got a little bit to go. You wanted this, you know, you know, all that kind of thing. It's really awkward to kind of just say on the podcast, but it actually really helps in these moments. My shoes have hundreds of miles on them and I really should get new shoes. My ankles were hurting. My feet were hurting. My right knee was starting to ache and my hamstrings were like, bro, we don't feel like doing this no more. Like, can't you just stop and walk or ask somebody to come get you? Tell one of the kids to come bring you a bike and they can run back or something like that. And as I was telling myself these good things, it literally made a lot of that sensation just go away. It made it go away. Like one thing that I emphasize when you get tired outside of just using your arms is being able to pick your heels up because people get caught in a little shuffle run, you know what I'm talking about, and it looks like their feet are barely leaving the ground. Well, being able to pick your heels up really helps you get a much bouncier and bigger stride in fatigue. And often in fatigue, you really want to just think about doing one thing right, and it can often lead to doing the other things right. And when I would tell myself these things, it made it so much easier to actually pick my heels up. Now, I didn't do that, you know, for four miles. Like, I would be good for, like, half a mile or good for a mile, and then I'd have to stop or just jog really slow. But the topic of today is hamstrings, and I can feel mine today. Not in a bad way, but in that kind of bragging way of, like, that workout brag. Actually, I was DMing uh, somebody who has another running podcast on Instagram, and we were talking about that... um, what was it called? The fitness shadow. That's what that guy called it. Uh, shout out to him. He said, the, I was telling him like, yeah, I had this like shadow of like yesterday's run that's been hanging on me all day. He's like, yeah, the fitness shadow. And I was like, I like that term. So I'm going to just henceforth call it the fitness shadow. And that's what my hamstrings feel. But other people, when they go for runs like this, they have something that's far worse than a shadow. That's a tear or a pull. And so let's talk a little bit about what a hamstring tear is. Um, what actually happens to be able to rehab from that and some preventative things that you can do to be able to help yourself reduce your chance of having hamstring problems. So, hamstring tear. Your hamstrings, don't ask me why they have that name, I don't know, but they are the thick muscles on the back of your thighs. So they're under your butt and they go from under your butt all the way to your knee. Those muscles right there. One little thing that, you know, shade to me, shame on me for doing this, but I do it anyways. In the summertime, when I see people walk around in shorts, I look to see if they have a crease on the side of their leg between their hamstrings and their quads to see, I wonder if they work out. And when they do that, I'm like, they probably work out. That's a thing. So when you see people running around and you see the creases in their legs, it's the bottom half of the thigh. So the tear... There are actually a few different ways to categorize that, but it's basically when your muscle fibers, for all intents and purposes, break. They get pulled apart and torn apart, hence it's called a tear. And you have three different grades of them, and those grades of tears really determine how serious it was and what kind of recovery time you're looking at. And so you have muscle fibers, right? You have your big muscle. And then deep, deep inside, there's actually different layers of muscle, but we're going to get down to the individual muscle fibers. And those muscle fibers are made up of these little units called sarcomeres. And they're like these little cylindrical, I hope that's the right word, cylindrical units that have these little contractile proteins called actin and myosin. 
and a bunch of other things that help put structure together. When a muscle contracts, it is basically like the... Um, <laughs> I was telling our other coach the other day a way to think about this. I'm not going to actually get into all that because it's way too detailed. But basically, you have um, one part that wants to hook to the other part and the other part that doesn't really care. And so whenever your muscle contracts, the part that the myosin hooks onto the actin and it pulls it. And when this happens throughout the entire muscle, it makes it get smaller. So we talked about this in another episode, it contracts there. Well, the opposite can actually happen where it can hook and then still get longer. And so we call it eccentric contraction, which is when your muscle actually creates tension when these little contractile fibers hook together, but that muscle cell gets longer. And when you think about working out and getting really sore, when people say, slow down the movement, you know, go down slow, that actually is increasing the soreness because you actually get more muscle breakdown when you do that kind of work. Well, with your hamstrings, it's that on like steroids. So whenever you get a hamstring tear, it's usually due to a very high force load that happens while it's getting longer. So you get, the they call them cross bridges, but when these two little contractile pieces come together to like pull your muscle shorter, but they actually end up going longer. So your muscle goes like this, but with a lot of force on it. So it basically tears it apart. You have three different grades of that kind of tearing apart. You get a light pull that happens, and that light pull is a few of those muscle fibers rip apart, and literally like they tear. And so you get some swelling, because remember swelling is your body trying to fix a thing. There's an open lesion in your muscle, and so your body's trying to put the lesion back together. So you get a little tightness, you get a little bit of swelling. Usually just some, a light pull can be healed in days, you can just turn down the intensity of what you're doing, do some exercises to help actually um, bring the muscle fibers kind of to their normal length. Then you get like grade two tears, which are partial tears. And that's where up to half of the actual muscle fibers tear. So you get a significant portion of your muscle fibers that rip apart. Again, due to often higher force. And we talk about in a lot of our other episodes, load-bearing capacity of the tendons, your muscles also have a load-bearing capacity. And when it comes to hamstring tears, it's about the load-bearing capacity of your hamstring. And they deal with a lot of force, a lot of it. So whenever you go beyond its capacity, you get a tear. And so when you get to these partial tears, you get a pretty decent chunk of your muscles that will tear you might get some bruising, and those kind of injuries will require you to really spend some time working on strengthening, flexibility, uh, getting the inflammation out, and you know, taking some time off from really intense activity. Then you get the big behemoth, right? The grade three tear, the complete tear, where you get more than half of those muscle fibers to rip. And so on the back of somebody's leg, oh, you can actually see huge bruises. And with a complete tear, you're not walking on your hamstring. With a partial tear, you probably want to use a crutch, but you could walk on it, but it probably doesn't feel good. A complete tear, you're not putting weight on that leg for days and weeks. And 
So when you have that, you can not only just get half of those muscle fibers to get torn along that tension line, you can get the tendon to rip off of the bone. I'll say that again. You can get the tendon to rip off of the bone. And so while a lot of these hamstring pulls and partial tears tend to happen in the, the fat belly of your hamstring, when you start talking complete tears, now the tendon's ripping. And so you have a lot of bruising that happens up near your buttocks, often where that occurs, or down close to your knee. And that's not even where it stops. Sometimes with a complete tear, you get the bone to get take part of the bone to get taken off with the tendon. Yes, I know that sounds disgusting. I know that sounds really painful. Like me telling it to you, I'm like, oh, that sounds like it hurts. But yeah, you can get with a complete tear, um, part of the bone taken off with the tendon, as well as tearing of your muscle fibers. Not fun, not fun at all. So these are different grades, and that grade three tear can take months. I actually had a young athlete in high school a few years ago who he had suffered a hamstring tear his end of his sophomore year and going into his junior year. And so we started working together when he was cleared from PT. And it, we started doing a lot of exercises like in the gym, strengthening. He was doing yoga for flexibility and then doing some light running. We did that from November. No, actually, it was like October, July. I'm sorry. We started in the summer. We started in July all the way. It took us through the next track season. That next track season, we were still doing rehab, but it was at a point now where it was really about getting ready for performance because it's still cold up here. But it took nine months to get him confidently running fast. I mean, we're talking close to districts when we could run the 110-meter hurdles, the 300-meter hurdles, run the 4x4 four four, all in the same race without thinking about the hamstring. You know, because you start the season off, you might do some of that, but you're thinking about it a whole lot. Um, and so, yeah, those complete tears can take months to handle, whereas a slight pull can be handled in days. Now, what has to actually happen in recovery? Often, it's getting the muscle fibers to gain their strength. So there's a period of time where you're kind of immobilized, where your body's just healing the actual muscle fibers. Remember that inflammation in you know, that area is cleaning out the things that cause pain and irritation. And so when you think about it in the sense of a muscle, your muscle fibers just tore, there's a lesion. So you're bleeding. So your body is you know, clotting, getting the blood. Uh, you might have torn your actual um, blood vessels in there. So you're getting your blood vessels to get rebuilt and organized. Your body's rebuilding the actual muscle fibers, but they're weak. Unlike when you do a really hard workout and you're like, oh my God, I'm so sore. And then your body rebuilds it and you're like, oh, I'm stronger. When you cross that line into like an injury and a tear, now it rebuilds it and it's like, oh, I'm a little baby again. I can only do so much work. And then you have to rebuild it back up to its not even just the strength that you had before, but you want to actually build it beyond that strength because a big factor of you re-injuring it is the fact that you already injured it. So once you kind of cross that line, it takes overkill to get back to the other side of that line. 
And so that recovery process is getting those muscles strong again, rehoning your technique, um, making sure that you are stepping, often with running, these are running injuries, you're running in a way that is conducive to the health of that hamstring, as well as improving your flexibility. And so when you look at what risk factors you know, occur and what kind of things can lead you to getting a hamstring tear, flexibility is a big issue. If you have tight hamstrings, or also even tight hip flexors and quads, those can lead to problems with your hamstrings. One thing that is very prevalent with adolescents and teenagers is sometimes your muscles and your bones don't grow at the exact same length, at the exact same rate. So sometimes if your bone grows a little bit longer than your hamstring is accustomed for, then the fact that your bone is just that long could put a lot of tension on that hamstring because now your hamstring is already stretched. And most of these injuries, remember, happen when the hamstring is under a lot of force and stretched out. Another thing, so well, not another thing, about the flexibility piece, being able to improve the uh, pliability um, and mobility of that actual hamstring muscle as well as the tendon allows it more degrees of freedom to move. When your muscles are really tight and they're not flexible, then they actually do not have a lot of strength through a full range of motion. You might be strong within the little bit of range of motion that your muscle gives you, but when you start getting into further ranges of motion, you A, might not be able to get to them, which hinders your performance, but if you do get into them, you actually put yourself at risk to get hurt because your body's not strong in that range of motion because it doesn't even get into that range of motion. And so being flexible, uh, flexibility shows joint health. Also, when your hip flexors are tight, that influences how your hamstrings deal with the tension of running. And so when your hip flexors are really tight, the actual and there's an imbalance in your running stride and how the force is distributed, which still can lead you to get hurt. So flexibility is very important. Another part is just poor conditioning and fatigue. If you're out of shape, then those muscles are going to get tired sooner. Those tendons are not going to be able to, you know, relay the force as effectively as they were before. And so you often find some hamstring injuries happen with newer kids who are coming out for track or cross country or football, and they're not in really good shape. So all that running, those hamstrings get tired. And so when your muscles get tired and you're still putting them under force and work, it causes them to work inefficiently. Not all the fibers are working in unison. You're not able to produce as much strength. And so your actual form can get thrown off and fatigue can really get you messed up. So it's very important that when you look at preseason training and off-season training, that you're building up your engine uh, and your legs actually have enough endurance to handle high-speed running. You can do some level of high-speed running even in the off-season and the preseason, but it has to be short distance and still built up for. But you find a lot of coaches will have a lot of even sprinters do longer, slower runs because that gives your muscles some level of conditioning so that you can handle more work later on that's more intense. Another part is strength. 
and the strength piece ties into fatigue, weak muscles will get tired faster. And so if your muscles aren't, if your hamstring muscles aren't strong, then they are not going to be able to handle the force, even if you can go and run, you know, five miles, and maybe you're a 400 meter runner, like, oh, I can go and run, you know, four or five miles, but you didn't do a lick of strength training, and so you start running hard 200s, you know, you start doing your eight by 200s, and your hamstrings are driving you crazy, or they like, you get a little tight, and you're like, what happened? I'm in shape, but you're weak. So you still need to actually build strength up in those muscles so that they can handle all those forceful steps, step after step after step, rep after rep after rep, set after set after set, because the faster you're running, the more force you have to put on there. And when you're running four miles, you're just not putting that much force on those muscles. And another big piece is technique. One thing that can really put you at risk running-wise for a hamstring injury is called casting out. I personally do not do B-skips in any of my running drills for this simple reason. When people think about, oh, I need to get a bigger step, they start reaching. And when your foot is landing in front of your body and you are basically landing with your foot in front of your body and you're basically pulling the rest of your body forward to an extent, that puts even more stretch on your hamstring still with that same amount of force. You want your stride to be under your center of mass so you can launch your body vertically. Your body has horizontal momentum. Your gravity is trying to pull you down. So a lot of that force when you're running is really to go down into the ground so you can go up and continue to go forward because your gravity is doing a lot more work to pull you down than the air resistance is of pushing you back. So you don't need so much of a horizontal pull or even a hard horizontal push in so much as a straight down vertical push. And when you get a straight down vertical push, you use a lot more of your glutes and your hamstrings do not get stretched so bad. So casting out, you'll find a lot of young runners will do this and their stride gets in front of them and they're always having these tight hamstrings. So that is one big piece is honing in on your running technique and the better and cleaner you run, then less likely chance you have of messing up your hamstrings. So, strength-wise, just a few recommendations. Deadlifts and all the variations of deadlifts, straight leg deadlifts, single leg straight leg deadlifts, you know, good mornings, these are all great exercises to improve your hamstring health. But also, to specifically target your hamstrings, because those exercises also work on glutes a lot. Hamstring curls with a, with a Swiss ball, with a band, um, those sorts of you know, positions where you're actually just focusing on that joint and doing like high rep work there is also good and a big part of a rehab protocol. One thing about pulled hamstrings though, do not spend all day stretching a tight hamstring. Remember, part of you getting the injury in the first place was that the muscle was stretched and then tore a little bit. What I often have my athletes do when they're just having tight hamstrings are to do some sort of hamstring curls, whether that's with a ball or a band, but doing some curling work to actually focus on tightening the muscle and creating tension there, sometimes RDLs or just 
overly stretching them can irritate those tight hamstrings because they're already tight. And one thing about straight leg deadlifts is they put a big stretch on them that they might actually find irritating. And so doing actual hamstring curls can often help alleviate that. When you stretch a lot, you might feel relief, but there's actually really just a nerve, nervous system reaction with your proprioceptors that when you stretch for a long time, it just kind of turns them off. And they're like, hey, we're tight, we're tight, we're tight, and we're sleepy now because you've been stretching, and we're not going to tell you anything. But that didn't actually solve the problem. So doing exercises that actually contract those hamstrings concentrically, concentrically means you're taking your little sarcomere from your muscle fiber and making it smaller. Doing those kind of exercises can really help with your hamstring health. So I hope that helped you out. With understanding hamstring injuries, make sure that you stretch significantly every day. Make sure that you are strength training your hamstrings and glutes two to three times a week. Make sure that you are getting your body conditioned and in shape. As an athlete, there's no reason for you to ever not be in shape. Maybe not in race form, of course. You don't need to be in race form all year round. But you should never not be in shape to go and do some basic thing like run two miles. If you're a sprinter, you should be able to just run a mile at any given point in your life. As a career as a sprinter, you should be able to run a mile. As a distance runner, you should be able to run a 5K. So you should never fall out of shape enough to where you can't do those things. Because if you do, that puts your body at risk to get hurt. And you should always be working on your technique, okay? Um, it is time to go get ready for brunch to celebrate our two-year anniversary for GHP being here. I've actually had GHP has been you know, around for about three and a half years, but that was during my pioneering straight private coach show up and do random things days uh, with far less structure. And so we've grown and I've grown a lot as a person and we've grown a lot as an organization since then. So it's time to have some fun and go put some protein in my body so that my muscles can rebuild themselves. So I hope that you like Subscribe and share this podcast with a friend. Remember that you have teammates and friends and running mates who need to know this information, so share it with them, all right? Share it with them. And if you want to learn more about what we do here at GHP, check us out at www.ghperformance.com. Be sure to follow us on Instagram, uh, at Global Human Performance at Coach underscore Donald, and of course, the training podcast itself, training underscore well underscore done, all right? There's plenty of clips on there, so you can share them with a friend, and I hope you have a great rest of your day. Make sure you shoot me a line if you found something and it's useful, or if you have further questions, all right? Peace out.